OTB Rugby. Queenie is going at a million miles an hour. And bearing in mind, I didn't pass the ball that often. He was expecting the pass. He got the pass and scores. And in scoring, dislocates his shoulder. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is was just like that intensity. Uh, very discombobulated this morning, as, as you can tell from the first five minutes of the show. But if you're just getting this bit on podcast... We we use Microsoft Teams, and in Microsoft Teams, there is a document that we use, which is our running order. And for the last, I'd say, nine and a half months, the uh, the formatting of it has been off. So run-on lines were impossible. You had to like click on the actual line if you wanted to read it. But while I was away, somebody's fixed it, and I'm like, oh, I should go away more often. Mm. It's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it's actually really easy to fix. Just nobody bothered their holes to do it, which is kind of one of those indicative signs of bad culture. But now it's been fixed <laughs> while I was away. So obviously the culture's great. When you're away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, what are you telling yeah, me? Yeah, it was fixed. Accidentally so, but we fixed it. Who fixed it? Um, we came up with a copy and paste job between us and accidentally stumbled, into, accidentally stumbled into success. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, that, you know. That's how all great things are created, it's really. good that you've discovered this. Anyway, I mean, straight in green, the Microsoft Teams document working. I guarantee you our show is going to be 10% better today than it's ever been that I've been involved in because of this one thing that's happened. Mm. It's everyone, pretty minor. It's pretty yeah, everyone else is able to adapt. That's interesting. Yeah. See, older people with technology. It is tough. It's tougher. It is tough. Tough to adapt. You do I slow think. down as you go on. You do. It's true. Yeah, a bit yeah. like Novak. Yeah. We'll all get there someday. Novak, very, very, very fast. I mean, Todd Woodbridge brings up on the BBC coverage about the toilet break and how transformative it seems to be for Novak Djokovic. I Like, in years to come, we're going to be looking back at this and going, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Oh, before and after, somebody will do the speed of serve the reaction times and be like that's very interesting isn't it in the middle of a game you're able to get better that's a phenomenal achievement I don't know how he does it as Todd Woodbridge said diet is sensational and always has been yeah oh sorry always, hasn't always been uh, no 2011 he changed celiac, to gluten free yeah. Yeah. yeah to be fair when you're holding one in it is a relief to get to the toilet you know happy Monday folks He's, he's lighter, is that, is that what you're saying? That's yeah. why it takes six and a half lighter. minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so exactly. Joey Tribbiani used to act better when he needed to go to the toilet. Lost a couple of pounds. Price, mm. come on. Yeah, we'll start in the green. I'll start in the red, I suppose, uh, since we're speaking of formats. I've obviously forgotten the format of the uh, performance rankings. Uh, Monaghan and Derry, uh, quite harshly, I think, in the red. Uh, and I'm probably going to pick up a bit of flack for this, but look, they're not really in the red. It's just the fact that they're knocked out of the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship after two exciting I think semi-finals there was a maybe a little bit of fear last week that uh, from a lot of quarters these two semi-finals would be uh, to quote Jeremy Connolly on Dublin Monaghan in advance foregone conclusion um, we'll start with Monaghan I guess that was the first game on Saturday um, Conor McManus let's just do a, a, uh, a love song to Conor McManus here. that was like brilliant. should they start him no he can't last this if they start him it's a sign of desperation that they won't they don't think they're going to be in the game with 10 minutes left to go and then there's like a free with and the whole world, you're like, who do I want over the three? I want Conor McManus over the three. Straight over. Yeah. Ah, they're going to do it. <laughs> Sensational. Uh, it was a brilliant performance. Like, and, and to talk about fitness, a 35-year-old, like he was brilliant in the second half. Like When you think the legs will start to go. Um, just a leader. It's his hip has been the, the problem over the years, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's had hip problems. Uh, he's had other injury problems as well. But like, I guess they've just had to manage him this season. Like, they started him in the Tyrone game. I don't think he's started any other game since. I, I, like I was probably saying they probably shouldn't start him th- during the week last week but, but 
Mm. I totally understood why they did. Mm. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, it was important to have him on the pitch as a leader. Jack McCarran obviously coming off the bench as well. Um, I, yeah, the fear was probably that Dublin would be out of sight by the fifty fifty five minute mark, where you'd be bringing subs off the bench. Um, but no, I, I, I never had any fear that was going to happen. Do you think McManus will be back in twenty twenty four? I, I asked that purely based on afterwards surrounded by family. No, maybe maybe he just was. Maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe the family were coming on. They were there. They wanted to commiserate with him. Well, I is, met there, him, is there uh, something more in that though? I met him out on Saturday night in Monaghan and uh, pleaded. I, I individually approached <laughs> Conor, Conor McManus, Darren Hughes, and Carlo Connell for, for we can, just chats after. We can him. hear it in your voice still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, to be fair. The voice is actually from shouting in Croke Park. Yeah, of course it is. To be fair. Um, but obviously, yeah, the Saturday night shakes as well. The shakes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the shakes are from the vapes. Um, yeah, look, I, I think every Monaghan fan would love him to go again. Obviously, that decision is going to be his own. I, I probably don't think he's made up his own mind yet. Um, there's no point rushing into a decision like that. I'd love him to go again. He's at, he's still at the top of his game, so I think he could go again. And he did say he suggested uh, in interviews after the match, "If I can go again, I will." Um, so I think it's just it's just down to his body. He's not going to make an emotional decision. He's not going to decide. Oh, that's me. Yeah, but yeah, from Monon's perspective, I hope he does. Look, I, I was absolutely gutted. Look, driving back from Monon to Dublin uh, after the weekend, and you see all the best of luck Monon signs and the flags out, and it's kind of like seeing the Christmas lights up in January, and it, it just feels a bit worse. Depressing. It's more heartbreaking because it is. I think it's more heartbreaking because you feel now like there was a chance to win the game. Yeah. That they were right in it. They did everything correct. They got under Dublin skin to the point where you know Scully gets taken off, and nobody thinks well. Uh, you know that's a bad decision, or it's premature. It's like Dublin are a bit rattled here, and they've already they've already played their Kilkenny card. And you know, I don't know. I, we're going to talk more with uh, Anthony Moyes about this. So if people have views on what happened and why Dublin were able to burn them off in the last two minutes, two and a half, three minutes. Yeah. Well, I will say this, and Desi Farrell pointed this afterwards. I think a lot of the the narrative and uh, build up and punditry around the game last week was lazy, and it was extremely disrespectful towards Monaghan it was also extremely dis- disrespectful towards Derry um, but, but hang on hang on I, I disagree with that because if you look back at how Monaghan got hammered in the Ulster Championship and then in fairness did right the wrongs of the mm. performance but they were awful in that game in the Ulster Championship and then yeah. like it was nip and tuck Kildare could have beaten them and no one would have said oh Monaghan absolutely should have won that game by mm. five or seven points it, that was completely nip and tuck it's like the 74th minute they win that game the yeah. next game, they win again in dramatic circumstances at the end. Whereas what we've seen is Dublin building up to a cruising speed and then absolutely annihilating their opponents in the previous game. So the difference should have been seven to nine points in terms of like what we expect to see, particularly with this Dublin team back. So I actually think Monaghan outperformed what our expectations would be of that team. Not for me. Not for me. Yeah, I, disagree. But I, don't think, I don't think it's lazy to suggest that Dublin were overwhelming favourites Home advantage. No, 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 no. Sorry, not all of their team. That, back. That's not it at all. It, it like there was some. Well, uh, Dear McCon- Dear McConley, for example, said it was a foregone conclusion to Dublin Monaghan game, which that that's lazy and that's disrespectful towards Monaghan, like completely disrespectful. And and there was other pundit like even Paddy Andrews on the football pod. We had Colin Boyle on this show during the week as well, and it, it was almost. And Kieran Hughes mentioned this in advance of the game. Like and De- sorry, Desi Farrell himself said this after the game. We we heard a lot of the narrative coming into the camp, and we couldn't understand it. Like. This Monaghan team are an excellent team. Yes, Dublin were, were massive favourites. And any pundit who predicted Dublin to win or said Dublin were massive favourites going into the game, 
No, I'm not for one minute suggesting that was lazy. Of course, Dublin were favourites. Um, and I said during the week, I said seven times out of ten, Dublin win this match. Three times out of ten, I think Monaghan win. Hopefully, it's one of the three times out of ten. I just thought a foregone conclusion was. It's really nine times out of ten, though, is, is, is actually. Well, I, I it's agree. even more than that. When, it's, when, when you're six or seven to one, okay, it's obviously. Maybe, uh, yeah. One out of seven, one out of eight is what the, the bookmakers expect. Do you think, honestly, saying that Monaghan were unlucky, like they hit the post three times, they were level after an hour, there was two points in it with two minutes to go, or do you think, honestly, that Dublin underperformed a bit um, in the game? Dublin probably were a bit nervous as well. Like, there's more like the pressure is on them, I guess, as the as the heavy favourites and uh, heading into the match. Like, Dublin hadn't shown, obviously, in the second half against Mayo, they had shown a lot. But apart from that, like, they, yeah, they thrashed Louth and Sligo. I wouldn't read too much into into those games. No, I guess, against I big agree. opposition. I, I think um, I think we can get into this later on with Moyle and, mm. and later on during the week. But uh, you know, this is this is the last dance. For this Dublin team, this is absolutely the last dance. When you see the age profile of so many of the players, and when everybody has come back this year, they're not. This isn't going to be the same Dublin team next year. And I think what Monaghan have done is they've surely shown uh, how badly run things have been in Kildare and Mead over the last decade to not be getting closer to uh, this Dublin team. And I think they've also shown a template for the rest of the country as well. Is that like and Derry as well? That like yeah, really, you just have to you have to make sure that your defensive structure is sound, but then you've got to go for it. Yeah, let's follow the game plan. Do you let, know? Yeah, let's talk about Derry. Yeah, um, like Derry. Oh, I, I think Derry fans, like modern fans, will be disappointed. But Derry fans, especially considering they had a bit of a lead of a few points at one stage. I mean, their shooting accuracy in the first half. I think they kicked one eleven in the first half, only four points in the second. They'd be so mm. so disappointed with that second half performance. Like every single element of it, there was just. I don't really know what went wrong in the second half, and Derry's inten- or sorry, Kerry's intensity certainly ratcheted up a notch. And maybe it was the experience Kerry had from last year, getting over the line in semi in the semi final against Dublin, beating Galway in the final as well. Um, like the old ghosts of last year's semi final might have crept into Derry's performance in the second half. Uh, like, look, Derry can be really, really proud of the year they've had, but that will be no consolation to the players, management, or fans this morning. They will be kicking themselves and I think rightly so like yeah well like the the difference in Derry's um, shooting accuracy between each half is stark mm. like you touched on it there but there were 75% shot accuracy in the first half as you say scored 111 like 16 shots off from 20 attacks it was 15 shots off from 17 attacks in the second half but that shooting accuracy went down to 21% from play yeah. and bear in mind that the vast majority of Derry's 111 in the first half was scored from play there was a few McGuigan easy frees at the end of the half but they were stupendous but in terms of both semi-finals, Shane, does it not? Um, is it not a bit of a kind of a depressing outlook that for sixty to sixty-five minutes, Derry and Monaghan stayed with them, but ultimately Kerry and Dublin were able to go up that extra gear whenever they wanted, really. Yeah, well, well, the, the, well the narrative last week was that these were going to be two poor semi-finals, um, and that Monaghan and Derry had well, absolutely no chance. But exactly, like they were both brilliant games to watch, and and like. Football's dead, but the though. Was, but the result Football's dead. Don't enjoy this. You're not allowed to enjoy it. Football is dead. Who are you to enjoy this game? You're here's not. what people predicted. I will say on Football is Dead, there was 43,000 people at Croke Park yesterday yeah. for an All-Ireland semi-final. That, that, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I know, look, Kerry fans get a bad rap for not travelling and ah, there's a the lot furthest, of Derry fans it's there. It's the two furthest counties away, really. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's not, it's not handy to get from Derry as we all know, the uh, gerrymandering of the political system means that there's no direct motorway from uh, Derry straight down to Dublin. Uh, it's true. You know, it's a lo- long legacy of the troubled situation in our island, which hopefully we will fix at some point. Uh, carry people no excuse. I mean, come on, you can just get on the planes. Uh, bats the environment and all, but uh, that doesn't stop a lot of people. They'll all be looking to get to the final. Well, there you go. 
no, look, there was, there was big moments. Owen McAvoy had a good game for, for, for Derry, I thought. Uh, Kieran McFall gets a point on 52 minutes when they hadn't mm. scored in 10, and I thought, OK, mm. maybe, maybe. But they just couldn't. They couldn't push on. And obviously the Shane McGuigan free at the end, where he just inadvertently puts it over the bar. It was mad. You could see him trying to calculate, how, how am I going to do this? And we talked pre-show about, how often do they train for this scenario? Yeah. Well, yeah. In training. It's interesting. It, it, obviously, it's impossible to replicate, but you do try. Well, I think they but he's going against everything that he's ever taught himself in terms of shooting freeze. Mm. How am I, where am I going to put this into a certain area that it gives my forwards a chance to punch it in? Yeah, uh, a little bit and like offside. I know f- no longer fully understand square ball. Why is it not? Why the square ball? I saw somebody saying, "Oh, take the short free and then remove the square ball element from holding." I'm like, is it still not square ball? Anyway, maybe a referee can mm. uh, join the comments, youtube.com forward slash off the ball. Um, Carol Kane is pointing out the free that was given to Stephen O'Brien on 68 minutes uh, when I think the free is given for a lunge, which misses. O'Brien stumbles to avoid it, but it's like a tackle with your feet, which you're not really allowed to do. Yeah. Uh, Derry are two points clear at this point, 65 minutes on the clock, and it's a handy free from the 21, which gets kicked over and then obviously Kerry put the press on the kick out and the, the entire game switches from that point now that's not to say Kerry weren't already coming they were coming they were creating chances but um, it's just it, it is interesting Was Shane McGuigan targeted by Kerry players? It's just a coincidence that the best player on the opposition gets repeatedly hit by different people over the course of the 15-20 minute period it's just coincidence Tyrone never did this never ever did this uh, you know the great teams uh, have never the dubs never do this ever it's like it's just it's purely coincidence the best attacking threat on the opposition gets repeatedly hit around the head chest neck balls just generally gets hit for about 15 minute period by a load of different it's just it's just purely coincidence in Gaelic football that the best players attract the most attention that's all Colin there's no no conspiracy here it's nothing that's all we need to see. <laughs> I know that they are in the red, right? But there was a lot of brilliant performances. Ah, they McKinless, they Brendan Rodgers. They were absolutely... Brendan Rodgers' performance was absolutely like sensational. And McGuigan, for all the punishment that he took in that first half, I do think it did have an impact. I think that the, the Shane Walsh goalkeeper coming out and DDT... And Ryan, him, yeah. And, it was, sorry, Ryan. And then... Um, <laughs> that was unbelievable. And then, and then kicking he the flag afterwards. He flattened like, him. Because that's a big swing. That is actually like it's a free the other way and potentially booking for the goalkeeper and um, and not given. And then he kicks the point and he's like, okay. Uh, Oral Lynch could be the shoot. I don't know. Is he the, is he, is he the all-star goalkeeper at this point? Like, Most unusual point I've seen in a while, uh, actually. <laughs> Old school, 1980s, David Beggy. Um, or was it Gillick? Was it PJ Gillick? Or was it David Beggy? Moyes, you'll tell us. Uh, the only thing is that he got blocked down twice or three times in the second half. Mm when the shots were there Stephen O'Brien had at least one of the blocks and somebody else had another one and you're like oof you kind of telegraphed the shot a bit much yeah like, well it just took ages off. over it yeah. like it was like a goalkeeper lining up a, a, a kick out or a, a free kick and actually the opposition are allowed to tackle you here so mm. um, yeah sorry mixed up my chains there go on yeah which was just one of those things like a lot of good dairy performances but we'll, we'll move on I think because there's no point dwelling I think too much <laughs> no point uh, dwelling no, let's, no. Leave it, let's leave it aside well look some of the comments are pissing me off already in the YouTube this morning I have to say I'm just I'm sick of reading some of this shit oh, I'll, I'll, don't worry I'll, sorry, 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 I, I'll vet them don't worry some of the I'll crap, send you through the best some of the absolute crap that I'm reading in front of me this morning like, don't worry you can you move on to them there, I'll read them to you you can move on to another sport there to distract yourself temporarily right, I'll move temporarily. on pissed off this we morning we will go back though uh, sorry but 
fair play to the Dubs and fair play to Kerry of course we'll get back to them the Ireland of 20s or we should mention Sexton News I guess first uh, Johnny Sexton cleared to play in the World Cup uh, the EPCR ban covering the warm up games only yeah this isn't in the red actually this is just uh, we've no space in the, in the green right like, this was, no this I, I was saying beforehand I was like it probably should be Amber because yeah. it's only three games he doesn't miss the World Cup but his Aviva farewell is gone true. and he also shouldn't have got himself into the situation in the first place so he is in red that's true uh, however uh, the was it the one of the London papers City AM were like oh it's going to be a 24 week ban for Sexton it's going to be the premature end of his career I was like well that was what they gave to Dylan Hartley but then everybody knows that Dylan Hartley and Johnny Sexton are not the same people you know <laughs> there's like one has a track record of being in trouble and the other has no track record of being in trouble and uh, I was also world player of the year you get there's like you know the England captain Alan Shearer literally kicked Neil Lennon in the head and he was the England captain was like oh, I'm going to re- retire from international football if you uh, punish me for this and it didn't happen and like, I'm not sure I'm not saying that he did anything like that but the Royal Rugby does not want Johnny Sexton not playing in the World Cup they yeah. absolutely want him playing in the World Cup that's the point sorry Some, uh, Dermot Keyes I think it was on Twitter made the point this is the most GAA ban of all time this is the the GAA 28 game ban where the first game of note is on day 29 like clear the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world to play in the World Cup uh, Johnny Sexton is very very lucky like we're looking at this from with green tinted glasses let's be honest we're absolutely delighted that he's going to be playing in the World Cup, but like he is a lucky, lucky boy. Like if this was Owen Farrell, we'd be, we'd be like, this is outrageous. A three-game ban, World Cup warm-up games. No, like, three games is about right. I mean, if it was Owen Farrell, he would have been banned for being sent off multiple times already. So, again, the track record thing is really important, and I haven't had the opportunity yet to read the recent decision. I'm sure they uh, they made um, excellent points. Well, the judgment said Sexton said something to this effect. It's a disgrace you guys can't get the big decisions right. Probably accompanied by expletives, quote, most likely the F word, uh, brought the sport of rugby union into disrepute. That sounds a little bit like the uh, defence in the Cantona. Uh, oh, it's an early bath for you, Mr Cantona. I was just thinking about that over the like, That's so funny. It's, um, the, uh, the South African press had it as a slightly more aggressive sounding. Yes. Anyway, look, it's bad. It's bad. Don't do that again, kids. Don't be doing that again. Basically. Come on. Uh, Donny O'Shaughnessy in the comments is saying that the 20 should be an amber. I'm not sure. It was a right drubbing against France there Friday night. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 50 points to 14 probably says it all. At at half time, you're thinking this this game is fairly well in the balance. But the second half was just, was it 33 nil in the second half? We don't have enough ambers. That's it. That's the point. These two. two. That's the reality of the situation. Darian Mano Mano will be amber otherwise, probably. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough, though. But uh, look. You don't um, get special prizes for each and semi finals. For the, finals, optimist, for the optimist out there, the, tw- the school of uh, 2016, they also lost the final. And they had James Ryan and Hugo Keane and Andrew Porter, etc. Mm-hmm. So you never know. Yeah, and look, it's, it's Sorry, I don't think winning the under 20s World Cup is important at all. I think them producing players for the, and embedding a culture and the style of play is far more important. So win or lose, it's it's the type of thing that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives and it'll drive them on. But ultimately, this is a development competition and it doesn't matter. Like it, it's it's brilliant that they reached the final. It's brilliant that they put in the performances. It's brilliant that they fought back when they had fourteen men and were able to get the draw against England. And I mean, I, I don't think we can mention um, the under twenties without mentioning the absolute heartbreak that the team has gone through collectively and individually. And yeah. for them to have been able to put in the performances, that is absolutely in the green. So, like, that's uh, you know, this is just a we have too many greens this week. Yeah. We've a lot of greens. So look, fair play to the, from beating Australia, beating South Africa, drawn with England. Yeah. It was a good tournament and uh, after the Grand Slam as well. A third world title win at under 20 level for France in a row. Um, so yeah, disappointing second half performance for sure. But look, keep the heads high. 
Uh, I think we'll move on to the Amber. Yep. Uh, it was controversial Amber as well, possibly Wimbledon. <laughs> uh, but it was a final, uh, finals of two halves, if you like, on Saturday. Yeah. Wimbledon and Dews, what's Dews? That's Denise O'Sullivan, Denise O'Sullivan. but oh. again, spaces have a limited. Well, sorry, right, Colm. <laughs> do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts, yeah. You can maybe explain to us why Welcome back, everybody. Would be in, like, because obviously Alcaraz beating Djokovic is unbelievable. Like, um, that's in the green. Yeah, look, well, well it's starting Saturday. Anz Jabir, what a year she's had. Three Grand Slam finals, three Grand Slam defeats. If you go back a year, her first one against Selena Rabakina at Wimbledon, she won that first set. Mm. So she's never, she's never had her at that point in terms of winning Grand Slams. Like, and then she lost that in three. Lost the US Open final to Iga Swiatek. But this one, this past Saturday against Marketa Vandrusova, will live with her forever. And she said afterwards on court it was the hardest defeat of her career. And to lose in straight sets to a player who was good. She's a good player, Von Drusseva. She's got to a Grand Slam final already four years ago at the French Open where she lost to Ash Barty. But she's nothing more than good. She's not nothing special. And Are even her sure? route, even a route to the final was ha- was handy. Like it was a handy. Are you sure she's not like has missed new so as a nineteen year old reaches the final of the French Open yeah. and then because of significant wrist injuries falls away and so is actually at a very high level. And so could well be somebody who reaches, you know, is, is now yeah, a she's member. she's 24, like, yeah, she's young, but I'm talking about against the, the likes of her peers, like, Jobert's the most talented player out there on the female circuit. Um, Iga Swiatek is probably the best player in the world. Irina Sabalenka has the most powerful shot selection in the world. There's so much talent out there on the women's side that Van Joseph, by comparison, I would say falls into the good level. She's very good. But this, was, this final is all about Jabir for the neutral. To be 2-love and 4-2 up in that first set, it was incomprehensible that she would lose that opening set. And she did. And Van Jusseva did not have to do anything particularly special. She just choked. She totally choked. Well, and that's why it was so tough for her. And, you know, she was in tears afterwards, which is the least you expect. And her husband, who's part of her team, was also in tears because they know, they knew that this was their chance. This is third time lucky. This is going to be huge for Tunisia and the continent. Like, she's already the most successful female Arab player of all time yeah. but to win a Grand Slam would have been monumental and look she still can she's still quite young she's in her late 20s her talent knows no bounds her shot selection is incredible but Van Drusseva will think to herself Jesus I can't believe I got away with that one in terms of how Jabura played nothing wrong with Van Drusseva. she did nothing wrong like and it was a brilliant moment as well because she does kind of get lost in this in that when she had championship point her sister in her box was already crying when she was about to serve for the yeah. championship. And the way she won it was great to win a volley at the net. So it was great for her, but it's all about Jabir and her reaction. And I hope for her sake, and for tennis's sake, that she does eventually win a Grand Slam. And she said, I promise I will be back and I will win Wimbledon, which is a great way to end it. Mm. So that was Saturday. And then Sunday, yesterday, Carlos Alcaraz finally ends Novak Djokovic's Wimbledon domination. The first time Djokovic has lost on centre court since 2013 when he lost the final to Andy Murray. He's only lost at Wimbledon once since, which was to Sam Querrey in a third round on court one in 2016. And then in 2017, he pulled out injured halfway through the tournament. And he's won every Wimbledon since then. But the way he did this, like considering there's a few stats around this, when Djokovic has won the opening session of Grand Slam, he's won 104 matches in a row doing that bear in mind he was five love up in the opening set against Alcaraz yesterday there was um, sympathy applause for Alcaraz. Alcaraz when he won a game in the first set Djokovic won that first set 6-1 Alcaraz had choked totally choked just like he did in the French Open semi-final a few weeks ago when Djokovic did win that game the whole match handled choked or just a slow start choked and he said it himself in the French Open it was playing Djokovic 
is so intimidating. And in the first set here, that was definitely still in his head because Alcaraz wasn't even playing too badly. Like the opening game took seven minutes. There was break. There was a break point for Alcaraz in the very opening game on Djokovic's serve, but he choked for the rest of that set. And then he said to himself, he said it in the post-match interview on court. It was a great interview, actually, Alcaraz, considering his limited English. He was brilliant. He was very funny. And he was saying, I need to improve my game here because this is embarrassing because people came out to see me today and this is not good. Mm. And also bear in mind that Djokovic has won the last 15 tie breaks in a row. The second set went to a tie break. Djokovic had set points in that second set to go two sets to love up. Imagine how different that match would have been. He probably would have won in straight sets. Instead, after four hours and 42 minutes, 15 minutes shorter than the monumental final against Federer in 2019, Alcaraz wins the match. And there's loads of moments in this game, but like in a third set, there was a 26-minute game. At halftime. 13 juices. It was actually at halftime in the football. That was such a nightmare yesterday. I was like, how, how am I supposed to do yeah. all of this? How am I supposed to watch Derry Kerry and this? Nothing because happened in, in the entire halftime except one of the greatest games in the history. It, it is the longest game? The longest game in the final. Final, yeah. yeah. And I did have 13 juices and I think there were seven break points in total. And then also, when Alcaraz goes two sets to one up, Djokovic has a moment in the fourth set like where it could be all over then. Before or after his toilet break? After, yeah. 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 So you're allowed that there is a toilet break toilet breaks are allowed like but Djokovic took the absolute maximum that you can take seven minutes. He brings back to the toilet. Does he? Hmm? He brings back no, to the toilet. No, he just goes. Are you sure? He just goes as far as I know now. He ah, just goes. All right. And uh, our own Fergus Murphy from Dublin allowed it to happen the umpire. He was And he came back in and oh. Djokovic won that fourth set but just about. Uh, that was 6-3. Just about. In the pantheon of Jake Humphrey's commentary greatness, I would have Andrew Castle right up there alongside, if not ahead of, and maybe the alpha dog in the Jake Humphrey school is Andrew Castle. Like, the BBC used to have Boris Becker and John McEnroe, and it didn't matter who was beside them, because the two of them would just be... uh, Boris Becker didn't bring very much, he just brought, like... Laughs and Zaz, giggles, and, and also, you know, I know exactly what this is like. Whereas they've, they've, somebody in the BBC has obviously they've decided they're going to do the poor old Richie Sadler once won a under whatever it was cap. It's like, oh, reach the third round of Queens. It's like that's Andrew Castles. That's what. That's why he's like, oh, I know exactly what's happening. Oh, the court gets a little bit slippy in parts. Like, have you been on it? I mean, maybe, maybe in May when the weather's a little bit different, Andrew. Mm. Oh my God, he's so he's so terrible. McEnroe did the uh, women's final on Saturday, so he's doing the yeah. ESPN. Yeah, he switches over then uh, to the American. Him and his brother yeah. Patrick, doing yeah. it for ESPN. Look, not you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be trying to use VPNs to get coverage. But if you were like Jesus Christ, if somebody wants to, I'm you know judge convict me here. But look, I had to watch Andrew Castle on the BBC. Oh, sorry. Yeah, mitigating uh, like, circumstances. Like, like the guy last week, the judge going. Look, lads, I can't. I mean, I have to. I have to find you, but it's the minimum fine for not paying. It's, it's going to find you less than the actual cost of the TV license because of all the shit's gone on RTE. If you go in, you go. Oh, Andrew Castle was the only. So I had to. I had to get the dodgy box so I could watch Macron. I was like, ah, oh, no problems. Off you go. Thanks very much. How do I get one of those? Mm. Sorry, um, but the tennis I, was unbelievable. Yeah, you see, the tennis is unbelievable. Like, I don't think it was the end of the world if the commentary wasn't because I think the tennis was just so goddamn captivating like the way Alcaraz played in that final set too like he saved the break point at the start of the fifth set mm. like again there was another opportunity for Djokovic to win the match and there was a great rally at 2-all where Djokovic slips gets back up hits a very very handy backhand back Anyway, Alcaraz wins the point with a passing backhand and Djokovic loses his mind and smashes his racket against the net post. Yeah. And I think if they saw the extent of the damage of the post, 
he would have been deducted something. Instead, he was given a warning. But it was his second warning. Why is that not a warning? That's the protocol. Well, hang on. So there's a lot of there's a lot of leeway given. Like how many? It's not the, the protocol. Is the second warning is a point deduction? No, I think it's three. No, I don't I think I it's don't. three. Well, we anyway, can. he. Was, I understood why he only gave him a warning, but that moment just said he, it all. He, like, he, sorry, the reason I got onto the Andrew Castle thing was they were uh, giving out about the umpire. It was like, oh, timekeeping here. I think the Paddy needs to step up. Essentially, was the <laughs> undercurrent that I was getting from that. And um, and then he did uh, eventually warn him, and it was perfectly fine. In the, in the tie break, actually, and Djokovic was like, "Oh my, I can't get the. Uh, are you not? Is the is the the wind? Oh, is it because of COVID? Is it because the, nobody, the ball kid, as Djokovic called him, can't give them his towel? You've got to go and get your towel yourself. And the clock he says should start from the time when I get my towel. And he's like, "No, sorry, the end of the point." The next point, that's when the clock starts. There's a time... Uh, yeah, like 25 seconds between points. Yeah. Mm. So there was one point where Djokovic didn't throw the ball up and he just abandoned the whole service motion. But he was gesticulating that it was the wind because it was actually very windy all game. Like they were Players were falling, especially Djokovic, and his shots were a bit wayward. But Tim Henry was making the point that you're supposed to at least attempt to throw the ball in the air. So he was given another 25 seconds, basically, to do it. So Murphy left them off a while, but he fairly eventually said 100%. time. And that was a tie break. Like Djokovic, he's had a tempestuous tournament even by his standards. Like the against Sinner too, he was called for hindrance. Did you see that on Friday? He um, he was struggling to get to a Sinner shot, got it back, and it is basically huge exhale, this huge noise, and the umpire stopped the match saying hindrance. Oh, okay, well, that's good. which is affecting Sinner, but it was extremely harsh, yeah. in my opinion, extremely harsh. And Djokovic, yeah, very, well, very harsh. Just, I, I hate the sound of Djokovic. <laughs> what do you like, want to say? So but it always sometimes it sounds like there's a let chord, and you're like, oh, but why are they playing? Oh, it was just one of those two grunting. And I'm thinking, Alcaraz, fair play to you, grunt back. You just, you just growl back. There was uh, a point that Alcaraz won the forehand across court, and it was right, right at the end of the match. Sublime. This guy, this guy is just fearless. Like he's twenty years of age. And bear in mind, he's now won two slams at twenty. Yeah. He won the US Open last year. Will he be one of these players that, uh, at such a young age, has no fear because of his relative lack of experience? Like, will, I, will he keep this going into his? I, I 30s? think so. I don't. The fact that he's won two slams playing this way, why would you stop it? Why would yeah. you stop playing this way? And Jockford said afterwards, uh, "I've never seen one like Alcaraz." Right. He has like all the strengths of the three of us, i.e. him, Nadal and Federer, and very little of the weaknesses. The way he won that match. Look, I was switching seats watching it at home. I was like, I just can't believe this guy. I, I get different angles from him. And the way he won it on his first championship point too, and just totally fearless. Different angles. Unless, yeah, unless you've got 3D TV there, Colm. It's the same angle. But anyway, uh, right, let's keep That's going. Like We're this. way behind. Yeah, way behind. Denise O'Sullivan is also in the amber, we should mention. Uh, and we'll touch on this with Kathleen later on in the show. But uh, I guess the injury against Colombia, we, we hope... Uh, is not as bad as first feared. Uh, I think that seems to be the, the general Soft tissue, yeah. sentiment. So look, he was obviously very concerning. We heard the news on, on Friday, wasn't it? After the, the friendly, or Thursday, sorry, uh, with this behind closed doors friendly. But um, clearly, Denise O'Sullivan is an absolute key cog in this Irish machine ahead of the, the opening game on uh, on Thursday morning. So listen, we'll, we'll touch on it later. But yeah, I think it's in the amber because... It's a bit unsure, but we hope it's... We think it's good news. Yeah. We, we, we're hearing some rumblings that it's good news, so we'll, we'll um, wait and get full confirmation from that from Kathleen. Let's talk Rory McIlroy, because Rory McIlroy is back. I don't know if everybody got the opportunity to see this in the middle of all the other stuff that was happening, but uh, the wind howled on the last day, and uh, local favourite Robert McIntyre put in an incredible performance. I think he, he was five under on a day when nobody was able to actually shoot anything. Mm. And on the way out... Rory started well with the, the longest drive of the week 
and um, then drop some shots. And suddenly he was chasing as opposed to being the the hunted. And the wind picked up and began to howl even more. And if you get the opportunity, just go back and watch the live coverage, if you can, of the 18th hole. So on the 17th hole, 16 is a par 5 and you expect Rory to make a birdie. He doesn't make the birdie. It looks like this is the chance gone. And meanwhile, McIntyre makes a birdie to, to go one under. To go one ahead, sorry. Um, 16, uh, that's 16 in the par 5. 17, he stitches it to uh, uh, get a birdie put on a par 3. And so he's level again. And then on 18, the wind gets up and he steps up to address the ball on the tee and steps back from it. And you're like, uh-oh. And he steps up again and the wind picks up again and he steps back from it again and he's having a chat with Harry Diamond and you're like, well, this is this is not great. Is, is he is he bottling on that? And then, straight down. Perfect. Couldn't have placed it any better. And then uh, he's taken his three iron out of the bag this week. So he's got a two iron and a four iron. He says that would have been a perfect three iron distance. And he stands over the ball again and he steps back and he's like, I'm not going to make this. And then they change the club. Mm. You're like, this is not good. It can't be... Like Rory McIlroy's at his best when he's like completely in the moment and instinctive. And instead he's like, no, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. And so takes out the two iron and then hits the best shot he's hit all year. Like into an absolute... And by the way, his playing partners are completely melting down beside him uh, as this is happening. Tommy Fleetwood is like hacking, like literally from one side of the roof to the other back in front and you're like and it's taken 25 minutes for them to get there and then eventually on the green the, the third playing partner's name just escapes me at the moment is like like you would be at crazy golf where you're missing from three feet and it's like just would you just all get out of the way and then Rory stitches uh, the, the two iron and makes the putt and it's like oh my god this is incredible it's like, Tom, Tom Kim yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like has a four putt basically from yeah. two inches and um, goes from third to sixth. But in the middle of it all, McElroy's just like, no, I'm going to be able to do this and I'm going to be able to win. Now, the last person to win the Scottish Open and the Open was Mickelson 10 years ago. Um, and it's obviously is it nine years since Rory last won and it's back at uh, back in Liverpool. And so, I don't know. Just You're like... I, it was one of the most impressive things... I've seen McElroy do under the circumstances because of what was happening. And because, they, like, on Saturday, everybody, oh, I can't wait to wake up on Monday and Roy McElroy screwed it again. It's like, yeah, well, screw, screw well, it. Especially considering, like, you had the one shot lead going into that final round. And then, like, the front nine yesterday was, per- I think you had four bogeys in that front nine. So all of a sudden, you're thinking, is this another, not not meltdown, but I mean, disappointing defeat for, for Rory McElroy. Yeah, that the two hour, Rory said himself after the, the round, like, that two iron stinger on the 18th was one of the best shots he'll ever hit in his career um, and the 5 iron on 17 as well is certainly up there I think he said as well uh, like it's it was just a brilliant performance and, and to do what he did on those last two holes the two birdies when he needed them I mean look you'd hope next weekend is is that end of this banished um, curse since 2014 Yeah, Shane Larry also played brilliantly yesterday by the way but uh, so we shall see yeah, uh, Cross won Queens and then won Wimbledon this could be Rory winning the Scottish Open then the Open yeah, double it up and uh, 1.2 million as well. There. Also in the green, obviously, Dublin and Kerry, but we don't have time to do that now. We're going to do it right after the uh, the next hour break, but that was this week's Performance Rankings. OTBAN's Performance Rankings 